Chris Smith is the new editor-in-chief of ClarksvilleNow.com. He joins Charlie and Katie to talk about his career working in news in Clarksville for nearly 20 years and how the news and how it's reported has changed over those years. All in this episode of Clarksville's Conversation. We're here for another episode of Clarksville's Conversation. And uh, I'm going to let you introduce our guest, although he really doesn't need any introduction because everybody's either seen his name or knows him, right? That's right. Well, I introduce him as my uh, leadership Clarksville classmate, 2008. Man, that's a lot. Yep. Mr. Chris Smith, a veteran of the news business. How you doing, Chris? I'm doing all right. Doing pretty good. So, now, Chris, how long have you been in the news business? Like since you were 12? Oh, gosh. Um, I guess I really started when I was a freshman in college in mm-hmm. 1988. Um, uh, some fr- you know, I was basically just um, doing the typical, taking my classes and whatnot, and a fr- friends of mine were involved in the college newspaper. And um, so basically they would leave me alone, you know, once a week and they'd be spending all night having fun down at the college newspaper. And so I thought I'd start joining them and um, just got involved with it that way. It's just something fun to do with my friends. And um, I became addicted to it. And uh, I started working more and more um, in college media. Um, We did a little bit with a radio station there as well. And then um, uh, when I got my master's degree, I decided I didn't want to continue teaching English for the rest of my life. And I uh, thought, well, what did I enjoy? And it was journalism. And so I uh, pursued journalism then and been doing it now for 27 years professionally. And how long in Clarksville? Since 1999. Okay. Um, I got here right after the tornado in March. The you just, tor- tell, you March know you just told me how old you were because I was graduating yeah. high school in 1988. So we're about <laughs> the same age. Well, yeah. it's funny. He just told me how old I am and I wasn't in high school. Or college, he was out. No, I was still in. I was still in college. <laughs> so, so when you when you moved to Clarksville, right after the two months after the tornado, within mm-hmm. two months, the Leaf Chronicle building had some damage to it. Oh yeah. So, so where was your office? Where did you go? Um, I interviewed in uh, Foodland, uh, which had uh, previously been Foodland, which we called it Newsland. Um, yeah. It's where the F&M Services building is on Wilma mm-hmm. Rudolph Boulevard now. And uh, the funny thing is, I was working at the time as a copy editor in Tallahassee, Florida. And I had um, been interviewing with uh, Richard Stevens, who at the time um, was, had just moved over from being the assistant managing editor for Knights at the Tennessean. Um, and so I, he offered me this um, position in Clarksville as news editor, and um, so I figured close enough, and I'm to Nashville, and um, you know, better pay, lower cost of living. Um, but uh, as I was interviewing, I didn't realize there was an Associated Press photographer in the building at the time doing a story on the Leaf Chronicles uh, for persevering through the tornado. So I got back to Tallahassee, and I was designing the front page um, the next morning. And um, I was looking at the uh, photos that were available, and one of the photos was an AP photo of the back of my head uh, interviewing <laughs> in, uh, in Richard's desk in this grocery store. So it's kind of funny the way things cycled around. But, um, but yeah, hopefully the that, Hopefully Tallahassee didn't see that, and hopefully they knew you might be interviewing. <laughs> yeah, I wondered about it. I was still kind of keeping things on the down low at the yeah. time. So, yeah. It's a small world. 
So in all your time in Clarksville doing the news, what are some of the stories that stood out to you the most or that you um, don't forget? Because, I mean, there's been a lot of significant things happen historically. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would say the big ones were probably, um, of course, the, uh, the flood in 2010. Um, that was huge. Um, the Kirby Wallace manhunt, um, that was you know, definitely something that a news event that kind of captured um, everybody's attention for several, you know, uh, about a week and a half. Um, and then um, 9-11 was probably the other big one mm-hmm. that I was, um, you know, had some involvement in. Where um, were you during 9-11? Hmm? Where were you during 9-11? Were you here? Um, sleep. <laughs> oh. I, uh, I was, um, I worked the night shift at the time uh, okay. at the Leaf Chronicle, and um, the uh, supervising the, you know, getting the newspaper out. And um, I remember Elaine Megna, who was the editorial page editor, called me and woke me up and said that there had been a um, a bombing at the World Trade Center. And I thought, well, you know, there was a bombing, you know, about a year before at the World Trade Center. I thought no big deal, but why is she waking me up? And um, and it, she kind of would be interested, like Chris. No, you don't understand. The World Trade Center is like gone. It's a major catastrophe. So I got up, turned on the radio, and um, you know, found out more about what was happening, and bolted to the office. Um, but that day, we uh, we rushed to put out an actual afternoon edition of the uh, newspaper um, so that we could get the news to people as soon as possible. So that that was a very hectic, very traumatic day, I think, for everybody. I think it's a day that everybody remembers what they were doing. Yeah, and I think it's hanging. I think that it's hanging behind you. The yeah. copy of that. Yeah, actually, it is. Um, that, uh-huh. the, um, that's the Bulldog edition. That that um, those are metal plates from the uh, the press um, that uh, you know we held on to you know after everything happened. Well, it's I guarantee you know I want to say I guarantee you, you could tell us so much about journalism and how it's changed. So in '99, you get here, you don't even have an office. And now in, in 2020, how, how would you cover the tornado differently or the flood differently? That's a good now? question. Yeah. Well, the, um, the thing is, you know, and, and that was unusual with 9-11 because normally we only have one shot at the news um, back in the print days. Um, we had just one shot at getting the story. You'd work all day long getting a story ready and then turn it in at, you know, five, six, seven, maybe 10 or 11 o'clock at night was your last chance at it. And then it would go on the press at midnight um, or thereabouts. And um, then it would come at land on everybody's doorstep the next morning at 6 a.m. Um, and that, uh, that whole model has really gone away. Now every newspaper has a website. Um, we have what I call an instant deadline. Um, you know, you're not on a daily deadline. You're on an instant deadline. You're, mm-hmm. If if you're um, if a story um, doesn't hit your website within ten minutes of it happening, um, you're ten minutes late. Um, so you know basically anything has to just be done immediately. So something like nine eleven, basically you would just immediately post whatever confirmed, definite, accurate information you have. So it might only be two or three paragraphs might be your first version of the story. And then an hour later, it might be five paragraphs, and an hour later, you know, uh, twenty paragraphs. But you would basically just keep adding on to the story, and it would build as the day goes on. And that's what happened with Kirby Wallace. Um, our first version of the Kirby Wallace story was 
you know, maybe just uh, 150 words. And it just kept building as we found out more information um, about what happened. I think it's interesting. You say that it's updated. When you click on a website, if you go to corpsforthow.com right now, and you see an article you did this morning, then you will see updated at a certain time. So I think that's that's pretty neat. And you continue your um, your readers continue to build on that, mm-hmm. and then they also this is kind of the political piece I always wanted to ask you about. You know, stories sometimes to be seem to be skewed one way or another politically. Mm-hmm. How do you try to tell a story factually? Good question. The politics out of it. What I try to do, um, it's just it's it's something that you learn in journalism school um, or journalism classes or, or your first you know year or so on the job uh, in journalism, is you learn to just make sure that each side is represented fairly. And what I try to do is put my mind um, in the uh, put myself in the mind of somebody who disagrees. Um, so if we have a, a politician saying some certain thing, I think well. What if I am on the other side of the aisle, you know, or what if I am opposed to this issue? How would I feel about this? Um, so, you know, you just kind of like look at it from both points of view. I think that's what you have to learn as a journalist is look at everything from both points of view, which can be really frustrating when you're trying to have a conversation with somebody and you keep playing devil's advocate. <laughs> but, yeah. um, but really, it's, it's trying to look at, at, at everything from both views and then, um, and then make sure that both views are, are well represented. Well, there's, and that leads me to my next question. Sometimes and I've seen, I'm using you as your, my own example. You've written a story and then someone comments and tags you on the comment and says, well, why didn't you do this, that, or the other? And then there's probably times that you answer and other times that you don't answer. Mm-hmm. What, what sparks you to answer a, a comment directly to you? Um, if I feel like I can, um add to the conversation in some way something useful if the person is just trying to put me on blast because they don't like the media or whatever i might respond once if i feel like i can maybe help them understand something or help other people who might have seen that comment understand something um but i'm not going to get in a tit-for-tat argument with somebody on social media because yeah um, i think as most everybody you know has seen um, people, people's minds are not generally changed by what they see on social media. They just want to blast out whatever their opinion is. So if I sense that I can engage in a helpful discussion with somebody, um, then I'll do it. But if I feel like all they're doing is trolling, I just try to ignore it and be, have a thick skin about it. So what do you feel like, um, as someone who's been doing this for a long time, what do you feel like some of the issues that the news media has to deal with now, and how are we going to do that? I think one of the issues is that a lot of people, a lot of people like to have their favorite things, like they like to complain about lawyers. They like to complain about, um, about you know, doctors or the police or, or the media. And I think the media a is... Yeah, I think um, uh, the media is starting to see a lot of blowback because people are getting exposed to so much more media than they used to get exposed to. And one of the things that people do is they're lumping all media together, which in a lot of ways makes sense. Because if you, when and so what I try to challenge people to do is when they complain about the media, I like to say, well, what do you mean by media? Are you talking about Hollywood? 
Are you talking about Twitter? Are you talking about newspapers? Are you talking about you know websites? Are you talking about radio or in broadcast? You know, how are you defining media? And then if I can get them to narrow down to just the mainstream media, what I often find they're complaining about isn't actually an article that's been reported by the, the media. They're complaining about some meme they saw on Facebook, um, which has looked like media because we're all getting this flood of information from all these different sources. And sometimes that is the mainstream media, but I think what we have to do um, as media operations, as journalism operations, is make sure that people know what we stand for um, and that we build trust and make sure they know the difference between an actual media newsroom operation that has journalists and it's just some, somebody who's created a website and is posting crazy things, uh, which anybody can do. So I think it's really important that newsrooms um, have standards and are really transparent about their standards. Um, and that's, I think, probably the best way to push against that um, distrust. Well, Go ahead, Charlie. Yeah, I'm, I, well, this is kind of, kind of a personal question, but it's not too bad, Chris. So if you could <laughs> interview someone or cover a story that's that, from, from the history, who or what would that be and why? Oh, gosh. I think I would want to talk to probably Charles Tyler. Um, he was the Montgomery County judge in the 1870s who um, dealt with some uh, pretty notorious lynching case here. Oh, wow. Um, and it led up to um, the Great Fire in 1878. Um, he wrote um, a novel about uh, lynchings um, that was interspersed with his own judicial commentary um, about um, the importance of justice and the importance of um, making sure that we put the law above our own personal interests and biases. Um, and it was seemed like a pretty daring thing for somebody to do at the time. And it would just be fascinating to get his get to learn more from him about what he saw um, as a leader here in Montgomery County um, during that tumultuous time. And compare it to our times now. Yeah. Hey, you wrote an article about that a few weeks ago that appeared in the Leaf Chronicle. I remember reading it. It was very informative. Yeah, yeah, that was some fascinating um, stuff to find out about and and to really look at it um, in light of our current situation with. Um, with uh, racial injustice and how we think every, so much has changed in the last 200 years, but clearly there's a lot of things that really we've not dealt with yet um, as a society and that uh, we still have a lot of work to do. So media's changed a lot in the past since you've been here and really even a lot in the past five years. Where, where do you think, was the next big direction gonna be? What are some of the changes you see coming in the future? I think, um, we're going to see a lot more, or I think we're going to see more media. Um, I think we're going to see a lot more um, online journalism. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how various business models evolve because the business models that really served journalism well into the 1980s and 1990s um, got disrupted by the internet. Um, and just like so many other um, uh, business models have been disrupted by the internet, you know, um, uh, 
you know, selling albums, you know, rec you know, we don't, uh, buying vinyl has become sort of a niche fun thing to do, but it's in reaction to the fact that all the music you want is you can buy on MP3 now and on iTunes and whatever. So, so many things have been disrupted and, and journalism is just one of them. So I think what we're going to see a lot more of is on um, digital media, um, di digital journalism. Um, and it's going to look very different because right now you can basically get flooded with whatever journalism you happen to agree with, um, which is becoming increasingly problematic because people are um, only paying attention to news outlets that confirm the beliefs that they already have. So we're ending up with this society where we're not really even agreeing on what the facts are. Um, mm -hmm. So it'll be interesting to see how we evolve out of that in some way or if it just gets worse and worse and worse. That's very, that, I haven't really thought of it from that perspective, but you're right, because we can always find a media that, that confirms how we feel. Yeah, especially at the national level. And I wonder if we're going to increasingly get that at the local level. Um, I hope not. Uh, but I, I hope feel not. Like, yeah, I'm at not going to let it happen if I can help it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think, um, you know, at, at, at least at the Leaf Chronicle and Clarksville now, um, and the TV stations in Nashville, I think we all kind of try to present things um, as fairly and accurately as we can. Um, at the national level, you start to see that partisan divide. And um, I hope that, um, you know, we don't have that kind of thing happen at the local level, but as we get more and more digital journalism, you know, that's always a danger. You're right. Well, there's more and more people and anyone can start a Facebook page and put their opinions on there as facts and that's becoming problematic. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would agree. Yeah. Um, but I think you're, we're gonna see a lot more um, sort of customized uh, technology. And one thing that we've been doing with Clarksville now, more and more is um, the, using push technology where we send the news out to people directly over their phone. Um, I think that whole, Push notification, text notification, um, type news delivery is going to be something that's increasingly important. I mean, that's really kind of already happened. I think we're going to see a lot more of that where um, uh, people, you know, basically request the news be sent to them instantly as opposed to seeking it out um, on a website where the website hosts something that is pushed to them um, as uh, news consumers. Well, I can, that's how I consume the news. I'll get a notification and I'll read the headline. And if that's something I'm interested in, I'll go read it right then. Yeah. I think a lot more people will start doing that since we've all got, you know, this basically every digital this device in our right pocket here. that can do everything. Yeah. So. Mm -hmm. Well, Chris, I, for one, want to thank you because uh, you have, I think, I've known you since I moved here and I've been here about 13 years and we've, you know, kind of run in some of the same circles and I've always admired you and thought you were someone with integrity as a news journalist. And um, I'm really thrilled that we now get to work together. But uh, I just want to thank you for all the things you've done for the community, because I think that you've really contributed in a positive way. And I think that getting the right information out there and getting accurate information out there is something that you're really passionate about. And, um, I'm glad that you're you're in charge of doing that. That's right. Well, thanks. I think it's important. It's 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 important and it's fun. And I think if you can do something that matters and enjoy doing it, that's you know that's an ideal thing. Subscribe to Clarksville's conversation wherever you get your podcasts. So you don't miss out on a single conversation.